0: Hey, it's Randall here, and in this episode of Journal Club, we'll be discussing how much sleep athletes need with special guest, Professor Shona Helson. Shona is from ACU's School of Behavioural and Health Sciences, and prior to this was the Head Recovery Physiologist at the Australian Institute of Sport for over 15 years and has been part of three Olympic campaigns with the Australian Olympic Committee. Her research focuses on sleep, recovery and fatigue, and has published over 140 peer-reviewed articles. Shona is an Associate Editor for the International Journal of Sports Physiology and Performance and consults to the Australian Open Tennis Tournament and Nike. Shona also consults to a number of national international sporting professional teams. We'll be back with Shona after this short message from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Mick Hughes from Learn.Physio. Join me and a panel of world-leading renowned researchers and clinicians as we delve into the ever-changing world of physiotherapy, bringing you evidence-based masterclasses, blogs and insight interviews in partnership with some of Australia's and the world's leading physiotherapists. Head over to www.learn.physio to enrol in one of our online masterclass courses or sign up for our free weekly newsletter and join our community to stay up to date with new research and findings. Shona, thanks so much for joining us on jo- Journal Club. Um, you've picked a study to discuss today about sleep, which is a, um, a, a very uh, an area that you're very knowledgeable on. Um, it's a paper that you've also co-authored as well. So tell us about the study and, and why, why you and your collaborators did it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Randall. So we had this um, opportunity. (coughs) Excuse me, over over the the period of time during COVID when we couldn't. uh, do any in-person testing then we realized we had all this data that would collected on athletes for servicing purposes so really just to understand athlete sleep and to help improve their sleep um, so we realized we had a lot of this data that um, would be worth exploring um, but one of the things we often get asked is um, from it from an athlete is how much sleep do I actually need and it is actually quite difficult for us to give um, information on how much sleep an athlete needs. So what we thought we'd do was ask them what they felt they needed to feel rested and then try to match that up with how much sleep that they actually actually got. So in this paper we had uh, 175 elite athletes who we monitored with research-grade um, activity monitors um, for at least seven days and then looked at um, their rating of how they how much sleep they felt they needed versus um, how much sleep they actually got.
0: Yeah, and um, it was yeah, I mean, it's such a challenging uh, situation during COVID to do research, so well done on getting this done, by the way. Now, one thing I noted in the, in the results from the, from the research was, was that they reported that they got one hour uh, less sleep than what their ideal time was. So I'm interested in why that's the case. Like, if you're, surely if you're an elite athlete, uh, and we all know, particularly because of your research, how important sleep is – why are they still not getting enough?
1: Yeah, I think it's such an um, it's important question and it's a thing that we need to address from both angles. So I think one of the things that I, I think about is, you know, we have this blame game and it is really easy to blame the athletes. Um, and we often, um, you know, we know that they might spend time on social media or, you know, watching streaming services or whatever it might be before bed. But I think we also need to look at the things that we do and the environment that we create around the athletes that doesn't protect their sleep. So what time do we have? the first training session of the day that seems to be one of the most um, important things which obviously allows um, athletes to have a, a decent sleep duration is if they don't have to wake up ridiculously early, which we do with um, with a lot of sports. So I think it's a combination of um, training times, competition times, obviously elite team sport athletes playing at night. You know, we cannot expect them to go to bed at a normal hour because we, we'd be asking them to go to bed at a time when they're probably just finishing their game. Um, so there's the combination of those things that, that athletes, um, that, that we do around the, um, the scheduling, but then there's the things that they might do, and it might be caffeine, it might be stress, it might be, as I said, some, some not-so-great behaviours on phones and computers and those kinds of things. So I think it's a little bit of us and, and a little bit of them.
0: How big a problem is phones? I know that even with me, like, um, you know, sometimes I'll be there tired at night at 9.30, 10 o'clock, and it's like, I've got a big day tomorrow, I need to get to bed. It's really hard to put it down, and I'm sure for athletes who are a little bit younger... Uh, It's even harder as much. I mean, have you got data on on how much of a, a problem it is?
1: Yeah, there's actually some conflicting data there. So um, there is a bit of what people tend to look at is the blue light from those devices, and there's some people that say it has a big effect. Some people say it has minimal effect, uh, but it's probably more around what they're actually doing on the phones and, and how they're engaging with you know, social media that can be you know, stressful or cause a little bit of anxiety. So the actual data is not great in that area in terms of we just really don't um, understand exactly what's going on, but I think what we want to make sure is that look athletes are likely going to be using their phones like most of us are you going to be using their phones in the time before they go to bed. but um, it's really around thinking about you know can that be a little bit further away from sleep time so I don't say don't use your phone because they will, um, but use it, Use the phone a little bit um, earlier before they go to bed and then do some practices around, um, you know, minimising the blue light exposure, minimising the types of things that they might be doing on on the phones in terms of social media interactions um, can be helpful as well.
0: In the paper, we just mentioned that they're losing, um, in inverted commas, an hour of sleep more than what they feel is mm-hmm. ideal. How does that one hour less impact their performance in their training the following day?
1: Yeah, so we're starting to understand a little bit more around the effects of sleep deprivation in athletes. So we've always had an idea around all the different things that are affected um, in the general population with sleep deprivation. Uh, but it seems to be that if you have more than sort of three, um, or four or five nights of shortened sleep, so where you might be getting three, two, three hours less than normal. We, 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 do know that there's, there can be effects on performance and that's usually through perception of effort. Everything just feels harder. What we don't have good information about is this kind of situation where we're seeing athletes regularly getting less sleep than they feel that they need. Um, The one thing that um, I should put in the caveat around this paper is um, we don't have napping data in here. Now, some athletes will be able to nap and will top up uh, with naps in the afternoons if they can. Um, Some athletes can't, don't have the time, or if they're at school or working, um, they can't. But we don't have a lot of information on that. Just continual, you know, lifetime getting less sleep by an hour or two um, than, than you actually really need.
0: I also want to ask you about the quality of sleep. I know that um, when I exercise hard during the day, I generally sleep like a baby. But, mm-hmm. um, And athletes, elite athletes, generally train very hard. So you'd expect that their, like, their quality of sleep would be really sound. However, mm-hmm. like in your study, um, you had a couple of scales in there um, where the athletes rated their, their quality of sleep. And on one scale, they rated it as 3.9 out of 6. And then on the Mm -hmm. other scale, they rated it as 6.8 out of 10. So I think in the paper, the term moderate um, was used. Is that normal? Like, do do most people um, sleep with a moderate quality of sleep? Or is this Mm -hmm. cohort um, that was studied actually sleeping worse than what you'd consider average
1: Yeah, I think there's a combination of things. I think um, based on the data that we have, um, not just us, but different um, groups around the world, athletes do tend to show slightly lower sleep quality than the general population, than everyone else. Um, They tend to have more disturbances during their sleep. Maybe they're getting up to go to the bathroom, maybe they're sore, um, or maybe they have some extra sort of neural activity, whatever that is, um, that causes them to to move around a little bit. So um, there's certainly that aspect um, but then the other aspect when you're looking at a, a subjective scale like this is really that um, you. what we tend to see is that a lot of people judge, you ask them how well they slept, what was your quality of sleep? And they judge that on how long they've slept for rather than the actual quality. So they go, oh, I've had such a bad night's sleep. And you look at the data and you go, well, it was actually quite good. You just only slept for five hours. Um, The other thing that they might do is take a long time to fall asleep, which is something that we also see. Um, And that tends to be the next day the kind of thing that you remember, like if you really struggle to fall asleep, um, that might be something that you remember and you go, okay, well, well, you know, my quality of sleep was bad. So I think it is real. I think we see a genuine decrease in the quality of sleep in athletes, not all, but on average. Um, And then I also think there's some perceptual things there. You know, they might wake up early in the morning, Um, They might have taken a long time to fall asleep, they might have tossed and turned, got up to the bathroom, and therefore they think back about their sleep and, you know, they didn't sleep long either, so then they think that um, they they rate their quality lower.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think there's a lot, there's a misconception out there that athletes live live this dream lifestyle where essentially they just get to play sport all day and then uh, party (laughs) the rest of it and uh, they don't care about much, but... (laughs) Elite athletes are, can be very stressed individuals because they, um, you know, like they're, they're always there looking to perform, you know, when they're in team sports, they're, you know, their they're spots up for, uh, for grabs from other athletes who are nipping at their mm. heels. If you're in individual sports, like you're always looking for that next better thing, um, they don't rest easy and I think that's maybe something that's brought out in that data as well.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, I think there's so many factors. Like you look at non-sport factors and sport factors that might contribute to poor sleep in athletes and it can be an absolute perfect storm. Um, It can be all the things um, that um, you might see in several individuals in the general population. You might see them all at once in an elite athlete. And I think the thing we also, this is slightly off track, but we forget how public it is being an athlete in terms of success and failure. So not many... Of us in our jobs have such public um, expressions of whether you you, you you do a good job or not, so you can understand why there might be some you know additional anxiety and stress when you're playing in front of you know eighty thousand people in a in a stadium and you know you know you've got tens of thousands of people watching you on the TV at home.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mentioned just before you know like team sports versus um, uh, individual athletes, and again, this is another thing that I found very interesting in the paper was that there was a difference between team sport athletes and also individual athletes in their quality of sleep. I think from memory, correct me if I'm wrong, that the individual athletes didn't sleep quite as well as the team sport athletes. Mm -hmm. So is it that um, there's differences between the groups? Is it training times? Is it personalities? Uh, is Is there a reason for that?
1: Yeah, the one thing that we are pretty confident on is uh, the training times. So individual uh, athletes tend to uh, wake up earlier. You think of swimmers, rowers, triathletes, you know, they tend to um, to wake up earlier in the morning. Um, But also when you look at team sport athletes, they, you know, once a week, potentially more depending on the team sport, go to bed quite late. Um, so if they're playing once a week, then they'll usually end up in bed on a you know, Sunday morning, potentially quite early in the morning. So um, it seems like their this sleep is quite different in terms of when they fall asleep and when they wake up. But overall, the individual sport athletes just tend to get short sleep because it's really hard if you've got to get up at six or seven in the morning. It's really hard to go to bed early enough to get the duration um, that you need. So that's usually where we see the differences is we just wake individual sport athletes up super early um, and they tend to not be able to get really good, good consistent sleep because of that. And then what they do is if they have a the day off or two, day, two mornings off during the week, they'll tend to really sleep in on those days and maybe, you know, that looks a little like shift work for some people. And we know that shift work workers' quality of sleep is also really bad. So later training starts is one of the things that we're really seeing is potentially quite important for um, for getting good sleep in, in um, elite athletes.
0: And the group that initially springs to mind with that is swimmers. So swimmers have <laughs> generally been the ones that get up at ridiculous times and then, mm-hmm. um, and then train late in the afternoon as well. Um, has, has, have things changed in elite swimming where training times are starting to, to kind of be a little bit later and earlier in the day or not?
1: Not so much. And I think there's a few factors for that, you know, some of that, some, uh, swim, swim squads have you know, athletes that also go to, got, got to go to school, so they have to do the session before school, or the coach doesn't want to do two sessions, one for the school-aged and one for the slightly older ones that don't have to go to school. Um, and there's this, always this perception that we want to get two really hard, or two, two training quality training sessions done, so we need a big gap between those for the athletes to be able to recover. It's like, well, you're kind of shortening the best recovery strategy you have, um, which is overnight sleep, um, by pushing those two training sessions out as far as possible. So it is definitely a cultural thing that's hard to change. And I think um, what we often see, too, is that coaches have their own chronotype, so they're early morning people. So they just kind of expect, well you know you should be the athlete should be early morning people too um and you know if you're an adolescent or a younger athlete then that's certainly not the case you're you're the opposite for most of them they're night owls so we kind of mess them up a little bit but i think it's cultural and sometimes it's access to facilities sometimes it's timing for um for the session and school age kids etc but i think it can definitely um be changed and i think australia is one of the when i talk to other groups australia is one of the countries that have these really extreme early morning starts, for swimming in particular.
0: Well, we did pretty well at the last Olympics, so maybe we're doing, maybe we're doing something no. right. But I'm, <laughs> maybe there's something in there. Maybe they've got lots of
1: time in the day to nap. Maybe that's what
0: it is. Yeah. Last thing I found um, super interesting about the study was that um, there was a recommendation that um, the, the target sleep times was people, um, when athletes should go to bed and also wake, uh, the recommendation was that they should go to bed between 10 and 10.30 p.m. And then wake up between nine and nine thirty, uh, which sounds like mm-hmm. a dream come true if you ask me. But there's, yeah, <laughs> but um, part A is is can that actually occur? Um, and part B is does it matter? Does it matter whether you're going to bed at nine thirty and getting up at seven thirty, or whether you're going to bed at eleven thirty and getting up at ten thirty? Like, it does it matter mm-hmm. actually where that eight or nine hour window comes in, or is, are those times Recommended for a reason?
1: No, it doesn't really seem like it matters based on um, you know, the wake the sleep and wake times. I mean it doesn't matter where it occurs, and you know, as long as you're sort of getting the duration. The reason those um times were suggested is um because what they do is they give you the optimal opportunity. Um, to get as much sleep as possible. So the later training um, start times means we're not cutting off their sleep in the morning um, and those, um, you know, the bedtimes of around, you know, 10, 10.30 is, a, again, an optimal time to just to increase your chances of actually getting decent sleep. So I think um, over time, what we are really starting to see is it's that morning morning training start time, that, that's key. And if you can delay that a little bit, it'll just give them more time to, to increase the, the chances of the sleep duration being long.
0: Well, congratulations on a very interesting, thought-provoking study. And not only, I know you're just a collaborator with this one, but also mm-hmm. on all your work that you've done over your career. It's uh, just been tremendous for our profession, I say that collectively. Um, Shona, yes. thanks so much for joining us Thank on The Club today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back in a minute after this short message from our sponsor. If you are like me and sick of greasy, pore-clogging sports creams, then the Premax range of athlete and massage products are for you. Non-greasy, breathable and tried and tested in elite sport, Premax sets the benchmark in performance skincare. To find out more and experience the Premax difference yourself, visit www.premax.co. Be sure to sign up to the newsletter to get subscriber-only exclusive offers, invitations to Premax events, access to the Premax sports science blogs and 10% off your first order. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Professor Shona Helson. If you'd like to connect with her, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram on at Shona Helson. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on at Randall C on Instagram and Twitter, and type in Randall Cooper into LinkedIn, you'll find me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a favourable rating and review and sharing this episode with your friends. I'm Randall Cooper, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Journal Club.